Well, as always, I am so grateful that Pastor Chuck would let me share the word. And so this morning, we are continuing our series, Divine Selfies. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about God's character and uniquely through the way that he expresses himself and reveals himself throughout scripture. Now, we often do that through pictures, right? Uh, Selfies, as they're called. And I, you know, just wanted to get in on the adventure that Pastor Chuck is on of sharing pictures of himself. So I put together a couple here. Yeah, selfies, they reveal a lot about us, right? The places and spaces where God reveals a piece of his character through his name reveals parts of his character, right? Those are, those are all pictures of me and the best parts of me, my family, my kiddos, uh, and they get all of their good looks from their mother, um, that's true, right? Um, but pictures also and selfies reveal things to others that maybe you didn't know, right? Like this picture. That's not Photoshop, people. That's real. That's real, right? They reveal a piece, right? They give you just like a snapshot into like, oh, I bet he was fun. I was hanging out with some youth students this last week, and they came in hair braided and cornrows, and they were like, we're really cool. And I was like, that's not new. I used to do that back in the 2000s, which doesn't sound as cool as back in the 90s or back in the 80s. 70s, like I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. We're trying to get 2000 some street cred. So God reveals himself in scripture through his name, right? And we learn things about his character, his nature, his truth by the way that he reveals himself through his many names, right? And God chooses to reveal quite a few of those names early on in the story of scripture, specifically uh, as he takes the Israelites from Egypt and captivity to the promised land. It's like a road trip. How many of y'all have ever been on a road trip? I'm talking a couple days, lots of people, small spaces, okay? I once made the dumb decision at 19 to do a month in Mexico with like 16 people in a 15-passenger van. Not a great idea. But when I first moved to Lubbock, I thought it'd be a great idea to take my new team of like workmates to Colorado. So we borrowed, that's going to be key here in this story, we borrowed a family suburban And we went to Colorado and we crammed too many people in the vehicle. And uh, we thought, I thought, you know what? It'd be great to just show them who I am by taking them to some of my favorite places. Some highlights from that trip. I got pulled over before we got out of Lubbock. I may or may not have hit a mailbox. I will not confirm that. So I will deny it vehemently. Uh, Snow, ice. It wasn't my car. Okay. We played TRL, Total Request Live, for those of you who were not born and experienced the MTV hit. Um, and here, let me tell you something. You can learn a massive amount about the people in your life just by listening to their top 10 played songs on their device. I have some friends of mine, grown men that I love dearly, that are closet Swifties. They would say, it's my kids. We know the truth, Okay. You learn a lot, right? We laughed a whole lot. We cried. We saw a lot of each other. We saw a lot of each other tired and angry and frustrated. We learned. It was powerful. It was one of the coolest trips I've taken with the team because I got to show them a little bit about me on a journey through places we visited, right? 
And it revealed a whole lot. Um, God will often use the journey that he has you on to reveal and teach him things about himself. A few years ago, my wife and I, we were in the midst of like what I would call like just chaos. We had new babies. I was in a new career field that I was not good at, trying to pay the bills and figuring out. I was stressed. I remember like waking up at night just like over like just anxiety, right? And in that season, God, time and time again, through friends, through, through jobs, through side hub, through all these things, God showed up and provided for our family. And what became very true was that for years I had heard messages on how God provides, but it became very real for me in that season. And so God will often use the seasons of your life to take head knowledge and make it heart reality about his character, right? He uses our journey and our story. Um, you remember and trust on a deeper level the things you learn about God in the context of your journey, okay? You will remember and trust on a deeper level the things you learn about God in the context of your journey. Said another way, a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. So in our journey, God will use the ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly of your story specifically to reveal his character. So today we're going to look at two different names about God that he reveals to his people um, in the Old Testament. And what we're going to watch is how these two names become really a bigger aspect or a, a revelatory part of his character, right? They reveal more of his nature, right? Put them together. So here we go. The first name we're going to look at today is Jehovah Nisi, okay? Jehovah Nisi. It's first mentioned in Exodus 17. And this is a story, right? The Israelites are moving towards the promised land. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've had some water. They've been in the desert. Like, and they are being formed and shaped into a people, into a nation, right? So here you pick up the story, Exodus 17, verse 8. It says this, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write on this scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Here it is. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites for generation, from generation to generation. So Jehovah Nisi. Now we got to remember these names, right, as we're looking at are often compound names. So there are two names here, Jehovah and Nisi. And just as a recap, Jehovah means to be or to exist or to become known, right? Um, Jehovah is one of the most used names uh, of God in Scripture. Um, I love how one author says it. It says, the literal meaning of the name is, I am the one who is. I am the one who is. Or more simply, I am. This short definition carries a sense of the eternal. In other words, God was, God is, God will always be. 
We talked about that Jehovah is also the, the name of God that reveals his nearness or his desire to be near to his creation, right? Then we have this other word, nisi, which is a standard, an insignia or a signal, a sign, a banner. So in this moment, Moses' staff is being held up as like a banner, a symbol to the nation of Israel that God is with them, right? Um, And so it's been the embodiment of God's power. It's been the thing that has been present in their journey. So if you remember back, the Israelites, as they're in captivity in Egypt and Moses shows up and the 12 plagues start to happen, it's Moses' staff that is present. And one of these moments, his staff turns into a snake. That's a little freaky. I hope that's got like an auto off button, personally. I'd hate to like roll over in the morning to grab my staff and it decided to be a snake. Bad day, bad day. But it's been Moses' staff at the Red Sea when they're faced with chaos and an army pursuing and they're faced with a barrier of the Red Sea. It's Moses' staff that he raises up and it parts. Moses' staff becomes the embodiment of God traveling with them. It's God's power that's setting the Israelites apart from all the nations around them. It's not the staff that was powerful, but it is, it was who and what it represented. That it represented God with his people, right? And you have to remember that up to this point, the Israelites have been slaves. They've spent hundreds of years perfecting the art of being slaves, Okay? They, they didn't know how to war. They didn't know how to organize into fighting groups. They didn't have any formal training. They had no understanding of how to self-govern as a nation. So God is going to use every single moment to form them and continue to form them into the people of God, a nation set apart amongst the nations, right? And so God is going to use this moment it's going to be pivotal, right? This is the first moment where they're going to be like step into a warrior title. First time they're ever going to win a battle. First time they're ever going to go fight. Like this is like, you can only imagine the anxiety of like, you want me to do what? You want me to take these people who've been making bricks for hundreds of years and you want me to go fight warriors? Run that back, Moses. Rewind. Okay. Only God can take people who have no understanding of warfare and help them win a battle, right? So sometimes God will take the situations you're in and he will force you to learn things that you will need in the future. Sometimes God will take the season you're in and he will force you to learn things that you will need in the future. He does it often before you and I realize we even need it, right? So Moses' staff becomes the closest thing that Israel has to a flag, to represent to the nations, right? This is our connection. This is our ruler. This is our authority, right? A couple weeks ago, we're getting into the Thanksgiving Christmas season, which like I grew up and, and for me, like James Bond will always be a Christmas movie. All of them. Because do you remember like TNT used to run like 007 Days of Christmas? Anybody? Okay, cool. Um, so we're in rerun season. I know we've got like on demand now, but like I was watching uh, a movie the other day and I saw this clip and I was like, oh, that's it. Check out this clip real quick.
So like you watch that and it's like some part of you is like, oh yeah, right? Like all the dudes in the room are like, yeah, right? Story of a nation with no banner and yet here it comes like we'll rally behind what this flag represents. Now it's no Texas flag, okay? Don't get me wrong, but it's a good flag, right? A flag or a standard is a symbol of identity. Armies have historically carried banners or flags and have appointed a particular soldier as the standard bearer to ensure that the flag did not fall to the ground. As long as the standard flew, the soldiers knew to fight on. It stood as the army's signal, motivating them to rally for the cause. It reminded them who they were and why they were engaged in the current conflict. As Moses held up his staff and the Israelites looked on the hill and they saw it, they were reminded, we are becoming a people. God has called us to a land we haven't seen yet. God is with us and we are his people. It's a rallying moment, right? For you and I as believers, right? I love how Charles Spurgeon said, he says, the Lord is my banner. It's our joy to follow. And it is around whom it is our delight to rally. That Jesus is our banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, shows you and I that we are engaged in a conflict in our lives. Our strength, our purpose, in the midst of trials and hardships, our rallying point is our God, who is present and powerful. Jehovah Nisi, he is our banner. The second name I want us to look at this morning is a massive one in regard to the context and literally the number of times it's used in the Old Testament. This is one of the most prolifically used names of God in the Old Testament. And unlike what we talked about last week with Jehovah Rapha, where we talked about God as healer, where he reveals that name or that aspect about his character, we would expect God to be in the midst of healing somebody's body. But with Jehovah Rapha last week, we found that God is actually revealing this part of his nature in the midst of conversation about his people's hearts and submission and obedience. And so today, as we look at this second name, it's going to be in the same that it's an interesting spot where we find God revealing this name. And this name is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. This phrase, Lord of hosts, communicates God's role as a warrior who fights both in the cosmic conflict, the hidden, the supernatural against divine forces, but also how he intervenes in human history. This phrase or this name appears over 285 times in the Old Testament, right? So that's pretty important, right? Uh, My name's JD, but my real name is Jonathan, Jonathan David, right? So I met some new friends this week and they were asking like, what does JD stand for? I said, Jonathan David. And they're like, oh, who calls you Jonathan? And I'm like, my mom. Oh, cool, cool. Who else? My mother. (laughs) Like, those are the same people. Yeah. It's the only people that call me that, right? Most people know me as JD. Like, you can go lots of places and people are like, oh, yeah, JD, the long-haired, weird guy. Yeah, I know him, totally know him, right? The most used name for God, he chooses to use this name to reveal himself. This is important. Because what this name represents is that he is the king eternal, that he is present, the God who was, who is, who will always be, who is unchanging, who is unceasing and close to his creation. And yet he is the God who commands all things, that all things are subject to the Lord of hosts. There is nothing in creation that stands outside of his command and his control. He has 
ultimate authority. And so this name is going to show up as the Lord of hosts and as the Lord Almighty, that it is God who stands over an army organized for war, a troop of soldiers ready to do his bidding. It gives the, the, the context or the visual of God who is ready, an authority and a confidence that comes from a king with a full army. Lord of hosts, right? So we have God positioned, present, near to us, and yet in charge of all things. This name first shows up in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to zoom in on this picture here of a, a woman named Hannah. Hannah, if you don't know the story, she is married to a man who has two wives. And the other woman, I don't, I don't know how we refer to that. I, I just The other baby mama, the other lady, the other head of household. I just don't know. It's just the other lady in the story, okay? She has lots of kids. And Hannah cannot have kids. For some reason, she's barren. And year after year, as a family, they travel to Shiloh to offer their sacrifices. And year after year after year, Hannah finds herself in the temple, crying out to God. And we pick up this story on this trip in this year. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, here it is, O Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Fascinating that Hannah finds herself at the temple and has a whole slew of names that she could cry out to. She could cry out to Jehovah Rapha, the healer, right? Last week we talked that God does heal our bodies. And so Hannah could have said, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, give me a son. But she doesn't. Like she's at this state in her life where she would give everything to have a son. Like she would give the thing that she doesn't have yet, that she values most, the most precious thing to her. She's willing to give it up. Oh, but God, that you would give me a son. She's not asking for healing. Like she finds herself in a place where that's not enough. She needs God who's in charge of all things, who all of creation submits to, who sits in throne. She feels the weight of a war against her. All she wants is a son. And she's crying out, God, give me a son. And I'll give him back to you. But I don't need any God. I don't need any aspect of your nature. I need all of you. I need the sovereign God Almighty to intervene. That's different. That's different than, don't be offended. That's different than when we pray at dinner for God to bless our food. Yes, he does that. But you need to understand the nature and the character of the God that you choose to serve, that he is king eternal, that all things are at his disposal to move on behalf of you. But you have to understand it. You have to believe it. And so Hannah says, I don't know, God. I've never heard anybody pray this way. But this is the God I need. You've got to show up bigger 
than I've ever seen you before. You gotta show up mightier than I've ever understood before. You have got to bring all of creation to bear on my situation. All of hell is working against me. I need a God who has an army behind him that will go to war on my behalf. That's a different prayer. Hannah's crying out to the Lord for a child. She's asking God, would you do what feels impossible? There's no way on earth that anything I do can change the situation. Only you. Only the Lord Almighty. And Jehovah Sabbath does. The Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, he shows up in power and he gives her a son that she names Samuel. And true to our word, she returns to the temple and she surrenders her most precious gift back to the Lord. Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets, prophets and leaders in the history of the nation of Israel. He's going to bring to a close this wandering of a nation to figure out if they are actually a people, that they'll be respected with other nations. And Samuel's going to be the one that hears the voice of the Lord and leads them to this final formation as a nation. These two names, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, and Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts, together they reveal this truth about our God, that he is the same God who was, who is, and forever will be. That he is our God that is close to his creation. That he is who we look to in times of difficulty because we know that all things are under his command. He is the God who fights for us. Would you stand with me? I'm not sure where you're at this morning and you may be here and, and you might say, hey, like, J.D., that's great. But I have nothing in my life that I pledge my allegiance to. This idea of God as my banner or God Almighty, I, I don't understand it. When you and I choose to submit our lives to Jesus, we choose to align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven. We choose to come into submission and to give our lives to follow where Jesus leads. And in response, he promises in covenant to be your covering. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 10 says that in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. John chapter three verse 14 says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That if you're here this morning and you've never submitted your life to the kingship of Jesus, you can do that this morning. It's simple but not easy. It's simple to surrender your heart, to believe that he is who he says he is, and to submit your life. It won't be easy every day to live that out. Maybe you're here this morning and you, like Hannah, find yourself in a situation or a season where you have no idea how you're going to get through it. 
this morning, the Lord wants to be Jehovah Sabaoth. He wants to be the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, who intervenes and brings all of heaven to bear in your situation. Because he, that's who he was, that's who he is, and that's who he will forever be.